Welcome to Deep Dive MKE, a podcast that explores how City on a Hill is transforming communities and families worldwide. Join us as we dive deep into conversations with individuals who understand the journey out of generational poverty and its trauma. I'm your host, Art Serna. Let's dive deep. Well, I'm so excited to be here in the Deep Dive MK podcast with a dear friend of mine, board member of City on a Hill, Kayla Bradham. She is the executive vice president of the Sports Philanthropy Network. I'm excited about the conversation we're about to have. Kayla, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a bit more about what's going on. What's keeping your heart alive right now? Jesus. Awesome. Great (laughs) answer. Tell me more. First of all, Art, thank you for inviting me on. What a great opportunity. I've dedicated my life to creating hope and possibility through sports. And that's a very busy, sustainable, fast day. You know what I'm saying? Well, before we we go deeper, let me just say sports was so pivotal to my journey as a young man, many a time dealing with trauma in our life, shooting free throws, playing basketball, meditating, but he kept me disciplined. So I just so appreciate that you would just bring that in. Tell us more though about Sports Philanthropy Network. What is it and how did you get to be in that role? Okay, I'm going to go in reverse order, okay? take it. So I'll make it Brief, but you talk about trauma. I was one of those kids who grew up in poverty, single mom. I'm Mm. 50 years old. I don't know who my dad is. I have no brothers and sisters that I know of. And we were poor. We were poor, poor. We didn't have a car. My mom didn't even have her driver's license. Mm. Sometimes we didn't have a phone. Sometimes we didn't have a TV. And you remember that time when you're like in third or fourth grade and you get the permission slip for band and the permission slip for Mm. sports? Mm. I was so excited. And I thought I was going to be like the world's best alto saxophone player. Come on. And I was going to be that left-handed softball player who played third base. Okay. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Well, I wanted to play baseball. They told me girls can't play baseball. Come on. So I went home and I'm all excited. I give my mom the permission slips and she looks at me and she says, money doesn't grow on trees. Mm. And Art, it was the first time in my life that I felt hopelessness. And I don't know if you can go back to your life when you experienced that, but I was about this tall. Mm. And I went back to school the next day. I handed the permission slips back to my teacher. And she said, Kayla, these aren't signed. You have to have your mom sign them. Mm. I looked at her art and I was like, yeah, well, money doesn't grow on trees. Mm. And I started crying. And I can't tell you, somebody paid my registration fees that summer for softball. To this day, I have no idea who it was. But I found 25 cents on the sidewalk. That same day, I'm at a garage sale. I find a 25-cent left-handed Rawlings glove. Mm. And I'm out there on third base playing softball. I learned how to be coachable, what it was like to be part of a team. So many things that you only learn through sports plus they had orange slices. Come on. You know what I'm saying? They had snacks. Yeah, I love it. They had snacks. I love it. So wow. I learned so much. I wasn't that great. I mean, I really wasn't any good at third base or left field, but I'll never forget 
mm. that opportunity. And I can only say this my way, but I'm this little kid standing out there with like a three o'clock in the afternoon game in like August and it's beautiful and there's oh. a gentle breeze. And again, I'm like this tall, right? And I say, oh. God, if you're real, when I grow up, can you help me do this for other people? Mm. Like even as a child, realizing that blessing, right? And so fast forward, I'm at a Tony Robbins event at the United Center in Chicago. There's 11,000 people. Tony Robbins does this thing where he brings you back to the time in your life you felt hopeless. Motivational speaker. Yep, motivational right. speaker. Yeah. Okay, that hopelessness feeling mm. poosh, all over me, mm. right? And then he does this thing like now use that and figure out your purpose. Mm. And whatever made you feel hopeless, your purpose is to change that. Wow. And I was just like, oh. Now, Art, at this time, I'd gone through a lot of things in my life. But at this time, I had hit the glass ceiling in corporate America managing fifteen to 25,000 member fitness centers. Mm. And I'm like, you want me to like leave all that money behind wow. for my purpose? <sighs> That's not always easy. I have eight kids. I'm a single mom. I live in Milwaukee. I like a six-figure income. I talked to my kids. They were on board at that event with 11,000 people. I just happened to run into somebody who happened to be an NFL agent, happened to teach sports law at Northwestern in their graduate program, happened to mention, oh, by the way, I don't know what you were thinking with that whole Tony Robbins and projecting yourself thing, but I'd really like to start a nonprofit that builds strong, healthy, inclusive communities. I said, hmm. Wow. <laughs> well, that's interesting because I'd really like to create hope and possibility through sports. Do you think we should collaborate? Amazing. That was almost six wow. years ago. So tell me something you mentioned about the person unknown to you who paid or covered the fees that year. So as you were talking, this so one of the things we care about at City on a Hill is generosity. Community, a part of that is generosity. I remember growing up in South Texas, first to go to college, there was a business owner in South Texas owned a construction company, and they gathered leaders together, and they started this new scholarship. But the first year that they did it for area schools, my brother and I, uh, were part of that cohort that got the full rides into four-year university, major university in the U.S. That was transformational. Yeah. But something about that man and the people he brought together spoke and showed us generosity. And so many of the young people we serve have a heart and a passion and a dream, but lack the connection, the network, or the influence. So something, sports philanthropy network. How does philanthropy generosity playing to the work that you do? Well, I call it the secret sauce. You want to know what the secret sauce is? I do. So the secret sauce is anytime you can take a person or a group in need and put them in the presence of somebody who has influence, in my case, a professional athlete, and somebody who has resources, a sponsor, a benevolent giver, somebody who gets it right? Okay. And you put them in the same room and you let that nonprofit or that organization or that person share their story and their passion. And an athlete comes in and says, I'm here because I support you. Mm. 
that benevolent person who's dedicated their commitment to living generously pitches in. Everybody has their sleeves rolled up. It's not just a one and done thing. It's lasting impact. It's generational. How do you think about, as you talk to these athletes, the evolution of who they are, their purpose and identity? Yeah. For the audience that's listening, I mean, we go through a lot of reinvention. City on a Hill is going through a reinvention because as we've listened deeply post-pandemic, we've realized that the scale of the problem for us, generational poverty, it's complexity to children and their caregivers, those who care about them, requires us to bring different solutions to the forefront that are out of the box. So in all of that, coming back to the journey of the athlete, what are you learning about their process of evolution going from being at the height of excellence in sports, for example, and then taking from that to do something completely different? What courage does it take to do something like that? Reinvent yourself. Yeah, I think it takes amazing courage. And I'll give you an example of a person that I was actually just on the phone with yesterday. DJ Sturgis was just drafted from Missouri, one of the schools in Missouri, to the Washington Commanders. So him and I got on the phone. I told him, I think Ron Rivera is a very humble man. I think you're in good hands. And just kind of talking to him, answering his questions, and talking about where he wants to lean in, where he wants to evolve as he starts. Again, this is a kid who's graduating from college this weekend, right? And going into the NFL, and he said to me, and by the way, DJ Sturgis, I'm going to say his name again so everybody can Google him. Mm. One of the most humble young men I've met in really, really good place corner. He said, I'm really passionate about rare diseases. I was like, oh. yeah, I talk to people and they're 55 and I say, what are you passionate about? They're like, oh, I don't really know. He said, rare diseases. I said, tell me more about that. And he said, well, Kayla, one of my friends invited me to go bowling. And it turns out it was a fundraising event to raise money for a charity. And I didn't know a lot about rare diseases. But when I met some of the families and I learned about really like impact and stuff, I was like, I need to lean into this. So that conversation led to, okay, so, you know, go to training camp, get suited up, figure this out. But let's get your nonprofit started. Let's create that 501c3. Let's start thinking about my cause, my cleats, and DJ Sturgis reaching out and lending his name, image, and likeness with his sleeves literally rolled up to rare diseases. So you talk about evolving. That's how it happens, right? For all of us, we we reinvent, we recreate. He's gone from a college kid to an NFL player with a charity, with just boom, 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 over and over, that quick. So let me go from there to you meet a lot of people like that in your work. Yeah. I mean, I'll follow you on social media and you're like here one day, here the next, and you're meeting with this person. I'm like, oh my God, the energy in that woman is amazing. Like, I want to drink some of that, whatever she's taking. Like, I want some of that. It's the Kool-Aid of goodness, It's goodness. (laughs) I love it. It's fuel for possibility and hope. The other part of some of the work that you're under the umbrella of Sports Philanthropy Network, it's the network component. So talk to us a little bit more. We believe that we need to be, so 22 years ago, City on a Hill was birthed out of a dream of a number of leaders in the community, churches and pastors who had a dream that we can do something better than the realities of what we're getting right now in our city. And they had audacity to believe 
we could do something with that empty building and create something of value for Milwaukee. And 22 years later, we're still evolving the model to meet the skill of the problem. But we've learned that a community is necessary, many advisors, and that community, my opinion, is that it must be diverse in many different ways. Because if you can harness diversity well, you can mismanage it and it becomes chaotic. But if you harness it well, it's exponential in what it can create. So what are you learning from the Sports Philanthropy Network in areas of diversity, community, and doing like the courageous work that needs to be done to heal communities and create hope? Well, recently I was in the presence of former commissioner Kevin Warren of the Big Ten Network now with the Chicago Bears and actually listened to him lean in on exactly what you're talking about. Obviously, he gets asked to be on a lot of boards, right? There's power in his name. And I actually, to be clear, this was at the Black Sports Business Symposium at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. So shout out to all of those names in there because he lent himself to that. And he said, you know, I get asked to be on a lot of boards and I ask them to send me the minutes from their last few meetings. He said, I just look at those minutes and I see where DEI is on the list of their meetings. And I can tell right away if I'm going to lean in or not based on where DEI fell into their meetings. And that meaning diversity, equity, and inclusion. inclusion. Because a board should look like the people it serves. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to talk about DEI and things that we all claim, right, like since George Floyd, everybody spoke about DEI. But if you're putting that as one of your nomikers and it's down at the bottom of your board minutes, mm. that's really all we need to say, right? Wow. Kevin Warren gets seat. the credit that's, for that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. And what are you hearing from leaders of color that you're meeting in terms of how they feel navigating community conversations and change when maybe the lack of that or the presence of that, how are they engaging conversations like that? Are they fatigued? Do they see hope? What are you You, like? You make me laugh because I think I feel fatigued and I see hope. I'm blessed to be in the presence of a lot of people of color who have overcome a lot of diversity to be very successful right? One of the most patronizing things that white presenting people do in this space, and this is the most frequent conversation I have, is this sort of, I love what you're doing. You have my full support. I see the good work that you're doing. Keep it up. And if you need anything, Mm. awesome. And it's this sort of almost patronizing, good job fixing your problem, Mm to somebody who didn't create a problem. And that's the conversation I have most frequently is, it is the job, white people created a problem. We wrote a bad check. It's a white people problem. White people should be leading the charge for diversity, equity, and inclusion. White people should be waging war with racism and bigotry and misogyny especially in the name of Christ. I'm just going to throw that in. If you're a Christian, then you should know to love your neighbor as yourself. So I think the biggest topic that I'm seeing is sort of this patronization of whose fight it is. Mm. And great job, go fight your fight. 
And that's something I'd really like to see change. I'm really committed to that. I tell a lot of the people I work with, like, listen, I'm a single mom. I have eight kids. I live in Milwaukee. I'm a regular person. My Mm. sleeves are rolled up. I am waging war. If you want to support me, feel free. Like, go ahead and like and comment on my post. I love that. But this is my war, and I'm waging it. So it's City on Hill. A lot of people don't know this about us, but in in the medical work that we do for health and youth center work that we do for child development and supporting caregivers, heads of households, we also have a training arm of what we do. We feel like educating people, we believe it's part of God expects us to continually grow, be in a continual growth of knowledge and who we are and our craft, all of those things. So in some of the issues of diversity, race and justice, we have the R3 workshop. We've had it and done it for multiple years through our founder, Diane de los Santos, and a white woman who had a heart, God had done a work in her heart. And this was very dear to her. A lot of the things that you brought up and she channeled that to creating this worthwhile learning experience to help people from all backgrounds really deal with what she calls residue. The stuff that inhibits us from showing up fully and authentically and in the most loving of ways and also challenges us to move away from staying just on the sidelines and playing our role in action can also be problematic in the work that we do. So I'll just say thank you for just acknowledging a very real thing in trying to rebuild communities and how sometimes that community can become fractured by how we approach our presence or lack of presence. You gave the example of like celebration yet maybe not come across it the right way. So how would you encourage leaders to reinvent themselves or go on a journey of learning? Well, I think just look at 2020, right? So in that journey of learning, and I'll just pick some different races and, and I'll stereotype and categorize them just for the point of pointing out our biases, right? So in 2020, during the beginning of COVID, look at the very beginning, white people were afraid of black men wearing masks walking into a store. Oh, he's probably going to rob me. He has a mask on or he wants to keep his family healthy, Right. So there's that bias. Hmong people, Milwaukee has a big Hmong population, right? Hmong people were confused with the bird flu in China, even though we're talking about two completely separate areas. And even though we know that the Chinese people did not create bird flu and bring it to Milwaukee, but it was like, go back inside. You're going to give me COVID. Right. And it was Mm. like, I'm Hmong. Yeah. Our Latino indigenous people, like, you know, just they weren't worthy, like just whatever. We sort of just like pushed them off to the side. And I'm saying these things as a gross overgeneralization to point out bias, right? Like, oh, well, if you live in Milwaukee, don't cross the interstate. I'm pointing all of these things out and they're difficult conversations because sure. we have to identify our biases first. So that we can start untangling them. How do you keep joy alive in your heart to come back and come back and come back? Even when some of the work might at times, there may be tensions, there may be disappointments, maybe things that are done that are like, I can't believe that just happened. So how do you keep your joy alive as you continue in the work? I'm naturally optimistic, but there's a joy that sustains me. I stand on, I can 
do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I really believe that God wants whole and complete people and whole and complete communities. So my happiness comes in this. When you look at your community, what does a healthy community look like? What do the people in a healthy community look like? What does the education in a healthy community look like? When we look at those things and we see progress, like you and I were just talking about the evolution of leadership, right? What has happened with City on Hill over these last few years, like the rebranding even, it's being humble and willing to say, we're changing, we're evolving, we're growing, let's take a fresh approach. And I think that fresh approach, and this is what gives me joy, is collaboration. It's always leaning in and meeting new people. I have like this many skills. Other people have this many skills. When I meet somebody with all those skills and they say, hey, tell me more about Sports Philanthropy Network. It sounds really good. And I want to see what I can do to help because Milwaukee needs that or Atlanta needs that or Nashville needs that. Okay, awesome. Let's go grab coffee. Coffee brings me joy. Let's go talk about this. Let's find solutions. Let's ask why the problems exist. Why, why, why? And then let's ask what is the solution. What is the insight you would give somebody that's listening who wants to get better at networking or building relationships? Is there a secret sauce? Yeah, is there insight? Yeah. What would you say? There, there really is. I always tell our interns, seek to serve. And that's my message, seek to serve. I didn't just have a Rolodex of famous athletes and NFL team owners and things like that, right? My example is I'm going to use Warwick Dunn. A lot of people know work done helps to put single moms in homes, forever mm-hmm. homes. And I have so much respect for that. And also, he was a great player. Mm-hmm. Like, that aside, he was a great player. And I didn't know how to approach work done, but I heard him speak at a John Maxwell kind of motivational right. thing. And I heard his story, and I was inspired because I was that poor kid living in poverty And I reached out to him over LinkedIn messaging at some point years ago. And I said, hey, I want to keep this brief, but real quickly, here's my story. Thank you for what you're doing. What can I do to serve you? Mm. And he replied back, let's get on a phone call. Like, just so humble. Like, don't ever get caught up in anything more than people are just people. We tend to idolize and glorify the Amish, NFL players, like there's different groups that we tend to idolize. All people are just people. Mm. Some are good, some are bad, some are meh, Mm. but seek to serve. So last word for you. Uh, One of our core values that we're spending time to really ground ourselves at City on a Hill is generosity. So you used the word service. Mm -hmm. So think about doing good in the world, building hope and possibility. We use the terminology transforming cities and families. How would you define generosity? What does it look like in terms of service? Just leave us with those final nuggets of wisdom. My final nugget briefly is live generously Mm. and love your neighbor as yourself. And I think however you want to put one in front of the other, they are like that infinity loop. Live generously and love others as yourself. Kayla, thank you for taking a dive with me. Appreciate you, you, friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for your time and attention. Through the inspiring stories of courage, wisdom, generosity, and joy, 
we demonstrate how City on a Hill and our network is advancing justice and working towards a world free from poverty. This work highlights the cultural pillars of City on a Hill, loving, listening, learning, and leading. We can't do what we do without you. Remember to join the email list to stay in the loop on the important work City on a Hill is doing in your community. Till our next dive, stay courageous. Stay courageous.